Welcome to the Strategic Leader Podcast, a program all about transforming minds and developing leaders. Our goal is to challenge your thinking, expand your vision, and awaken the emerging leader in you. Now, here is your leadership mentor and coach, and the host of the Strategic Leader Podcast, Brian Holmes. Welcome, everyone, to episode number 165 of the Strategic Leader Podcast. Great to have you with us today. We're gathering emerging leaders from all over the world, and we are focusing on building people, growing leaders, developing you into all that God created you to be. Today, I'm so pleased to have my dear friend back on the program, Ray Edwards in the house. We're talking about life, leadership, and prospering with purpose. Well, I'm so glad to have you back with us today on the program. If this is your first time with us on the Strategic Leader Podcast, welcome to the community. If you're a repeat visitor, if you're a part of the tribe, we are just so grateful to have you with us. Well, today on the program, I am so pleased to have my dear friend and colleague, Ray Edwards, back on the program. It's been way too long. It's been over a year and uh, this interview and this conversation that you're going to get to be a part of is long overdue. Let me tell you about Ray. Uh, this is more of a formal bio, but I'll share some personal things as well. Ray is the host of the Ray Edwards Show, which is a highly rated podcast in iTunes about living in prosperity and with purpose. He provides such incredible, rich content on life, on leadership, on business, on marketing, and yes, even on spiritual matters and relating with our Father in heaven. He's probably best known around the world as a direct response copywriter. He does a lot of great work with product launches. He's a phenomenal internet marketing strategist and trainer. He's a prolific speaker and uh, just an incredible guy all around. Ray and I have become very dear friends the last several years. I am truly blessed to have this man in my life. And I've come to not only respect him as a business leader, but quite honestly, knowing him the way that I do, I can tell you he is a man of honor, he's a man of integrity, and I would certainly say he's a man of God. Ray is a tremendous thought leader, brilliant mind, brilliant business coach, thoughtful and loving mentor and friend, highly respected leader in so many areas. Ray is truly making a significant impact in both sacred and secular, as we call it around here, which we don't like to separate those two. In this episode, Ray and I are talking about a little bit of everything, but you don't want to miss this. We're talking about life, leadership, and prospering with purpose. Let's go right now to my conversation with Ray Edwards. Ray, welcome to the Strategic Leader Podcast. And I emphasize that because I think since the last time you've been on, it's the name has changed. It certainly has. You went and changed the name on me. I know, right? So you're your first time on this named show, but your third or fourth or tenth time with us. Man, it's great to have you back with us. It's good to be a first timer again. <laughs> I know, right? That's pretty Boy, don't you wish you could say that about a lot of things? Uh, yes, I do. Yeah, it's great, man. 
Well, what has changed with Ray Edwards, Ray Edwards International, and all the wonderful things that you're doing since the last time we had you on, which I think was over a year ago? Well, gosh, what has changed in the last year? A lot of things. We have simplified our business model. We're more dialed in and focused now. We have grown tremendously in terms of revenue and also in terms of uh, team members and customers. We released a big uh, new iteration of our copywriting training, which is training people how to use the words that sell without being salesy or pushy or hypey. So that has been a big success for us. And um, just, I published a book, uh, sold thousands of copies of the book, uh, which, you know, helped us serve thousands of people, which is really the, the main thing. And it's important to always keep the main thing, the main thing. That is the main thing. I'm, I'm really concerned about how little productivity you've had the last 12 months, 15 months. I just, it well, seems like you're slacking. Easy. <laughs> wow. So much. You've released courses, books, man. Amazing. You, now you, the last time you were on, you shared with us about a health challenge that uh, you have been diagnosed with a number of years ago, but you also expressed your faith, your confidence in the healing work of, of the cross, obviously. I happen to know firsthand that you've had uh, a little bit of an update on that since last year. I'd love to hear that and encourage people with that testimony. Absolutely. The, the short story is that in 2011, I was diagnosed with Parkinson's disease. And um, people who listen to my podcast or who come to my blog will know that I don't talk about it very much anymore. And the reason is not because I don't want to talk about it. Well, it's, it's not because I want to keep it secret, but I don't want to give it more time in my consciousness and in my thoughts than it deserves, which is it deserves no time. Because, you know, disease and illness and decay and death were not part of God's original plan for the human race. All you have to do is read the book of Genesis to understand the first three chapters will do it. You'll understand this was not the plan for any of us who feel like something is dreadfully wrong with the world. We're right. And so um, I've taken to... Uh, only talking about it when I ask. I do have a, a my most popular blog post on the site at rayedwards.com is called, I retitled it, it's called How I Deal with Parkinson's Disease. And um, the the bottom line is, uh, I don't believe it's God's will for any of us to be sick. That's right. And right. so I trusted his healing power. And since that time that you and I last talked about this, I've actually gotten better. In fact, the last time I went to see my neurologist, he talked to me for a few minutes and I almost canceled the appointment because I was feeling so good. Now, I, I want to be very transparent here. That does not mean that I don't still have symptoms. I do still have symptoms and I do still take some medication to alleviate those symptoms. But I've done a lot of other things as well, including first and foremost prayer and placing my faith where it belongs, which is in the Lord Jesus Christ. And if you hear noises in the background, they're doing construction in my office building. So um, <laughs> just think of it as think of me and my office as a work in progress. Yes. So, so anyway, I was feeling so much better that I almost canceled the appointment. It was just a quarterly checkup anyway. And, um, I waited in the front office and they were having computer problems and they were delayed. And I went up to the front desk and I told the lady there, you know, I can just skip. I don't really need to come to the appointment. And she said, no, no, no. Doctor's ready for you. Which by the way, just as a sidebar, why is it that the only profession in the <laughs> world where people refer to the professional without any kind of article in front of their name is that of the physician? So they don't call him the doctor. They call him doctor. Have you noticed this? I have noticed this. Interesting. It, I mean, if you go to your if you go to your attorney's office, they don't say attorney will see you in a few moments. <laughs> know, right. Or if you get on an airplane, they don't say pilot, pilot. will be lifting off in a few moments. Yeah. Just just a sidebar thought, rabbit trail. Anyway, I went back to see the doctor and we talked for a few minutes and he said, you know, if you don't mind my saying, you you seem better than you were the last time I saw you. 
And I said, well, it's because I am better. And he said, well, that doesn't happen with this disease. And I said, well, it happened for me. And we talked about my faith and we talked about the other things that I'm doing, you know, being a good steward of my body and taking care of my diet and exercise and controlling my thoughts, what enters into my mind. You know, Paul in the Bible writes about renewing your mind, not conforming to the pattern of the world, but being transformed by the renewing of your mind, which is the way we think. It's not just a super spiritual, like, I believe and I have faith and I'm waiting for the angels and light beams to descend from heaven and, and healing to happen. But it's also a matter of changing the way you think. And so um, well, I didn't go into quite that much detail with my neurologist, but he finally said, you know, I know you almost canceled, but I'm so glad you didn't because every day, all day long, I see people who are, they feel, they act as though they've been given a death sentence and they, they're depressed. They give up on life. They don't have any hope. And I wish I could just parade you around and see all of them because I would like to show them that there's another way possible. And I, of course, said, well, that's, I'm, I'm willing to do that. So we haven't worked that out yet. But um, he did finish up by telling me, it's been a real encouragement to me because I had a really rough day and seeing these different patients. And this has really been encouraging to me. So I'm glad you didn't cancel, if only for that reason. Wow. I think you shared that they did some testing and stuff or something. And, and even that came oh, back right. like bona fide better. That's right. So I, I, I have these extensive blood tests done because they test like every factor possible you can test in a blood test. And the bill for the blood test reflects that fact. Wow. Um, but um, he showed me, he said, now, now I want you to look here. When you first started coming here, you had the arteries and the blood work and the numbers of a 57-year-old man. Now you have to understand that I'm 50 years old. So when I first came there, I was even younger than that, but I had the results of a 57-year-old man. And he said, now you have the results of a 51-year-old man. Mm. And that, he said, so I don't know exactly what you're doing, but whatever you're doing, you should keep doing it. Wow. And I sort of laughed and I said, well, wait till next time. I'm going to go backwards on the clock. and I'm going to go back to a 45-year-old man. And then the next time, 32. If and I can get it all the way down to 21, I think I'll be set. <laughs> and then you can start drinking legally or something like that, right? I don't <laughs> think it's a good idea. <laughs> I'm just messing. Oh, Lord. That's a story for another time. Uh, here, here's what I want to say, man. Th what you're describing to us are principles that simply work. And yes. you mentioned a moment ago, first of all, faith in God, in his word, in the promises that he has provided to us. That's the baseline. That's really the deal. That's the whole ball of wax. But then there are things that we can do that are principally centered, taking care of our body, eating right, exercise, and then you mentioned a very key one in my mind, which is really controlling what it is that we put in our mind, the thoughts that we have, making sure those conform to what, in, in our terminology, what God knows to be true about our health, about our happiness, about our joy, about our fitness, about our body, everything. These are principles that are universal, and they work if applied. Would you agree? I absolutely agree. And they work for anybody. Even if you're listening to this right now and you don't believe in God or you don't believe yes. in the Bible, but you are drawn to listen to this show with Brian because of his um, gifting on the area of leadership, then you have to know that as a believer, I think these principles of how we steward our thoughts, how we think about things, our attitude, the way we approach life, these universal principles work even for people who don't believe. Yeah. So I think God in his, in his um, universal grace toward all of his creations has just built the universe to work this way. So if that language is more comfortable for you, then more power to you. I think there's more for you to discover. But for sure, you know, what we think about in our head 
as Earl Nightingale said, what we think about all day long is what we become. That's right. So if you think about being sick or disempowered or poor or broke or stressed out, if that's what you think about all the time, then guess what? You're going to get more of what you think about. I say all the time, and this is a scripture, but just work with it as a principle. God is no respecter of persons, but I do believe that in many ways he is a respecter of principles. Anyone can apply principles and they will work, period. End of story. That, that's Absolutely. Just, that, that story, your story of how in 12 to 18 months, your body has fundamentally conformed to your mindset, your attitude, your spiritual grounding, and then, of course, the work that you're doing on your physical body uh, is such an incredible testimony to what discipline and focus and determination can really do when you put your faith in the right things. Well, I believe that's true. And, you know, if you think about the story that I just told, which is documentable by actual blood tests, I mean, it's one thing. I'm a pretty skeptical guy. I'm I'm what you might call a scientific Christian. When people say they were healed, I'm usually the first guy who's thinking, well, I'd like to see the blood test to verify that or the scans or whatever. Right, right. And right. so now I have those scans. It's not just a subjective, I think I feel better kind of thing, although that's important when you have something like this condition. Um, you, you know the difference in how you feel, but um, having verifiable, documentable evidence is certainly uh, a help when I'm talking to other people about this. And I can literally say to people, look, I have proof. I reversed my physical age. So if that doesn't get your attention, I don't know what will. That's brilliant. And, and I trust that everyone listening will take that not only for your health, but really apply that to any area of your life that you want to see improved. And I know that you will. I want to shift gears on you, Ray, a little bit and, and kind of navigate over into some waters that you and I uh, talk about often. What trends are you seeing right now uh, in the world with regards to what God is doing, what he is saying? And of course, when you and I discuss these things, it's always on the premise that we're not separating uh, the, the sacred and the secular or the church and the world. It's just what what do you see God doing and saying around us in all the respective spaces where people live their lives and do their work day by day? Well, there's three things that spring to mind for me. One is hunger. I, I see a hunger on the part of people, believers and those who don't yet believe alike, a hunger for more of the spiritual realities of life, a, a hunger for a world that maybe you don't even have the words for it, but you feel like there's something more available to us in life, in this life. I'm not talking about the afterlife. I'm talking about in this life today, there's something more available to us that I don't seem to have grasped yet. And so I sense a real hunger on the part of people reaching for that something more. And of course, you know, for me, that means more of the kingdom of God. And that's a vague term for a lot of people. A lot of people aren't sure exactly what that means, although I'm pretty sure that people who listen to you probably are familiar with the term the kingdom and what that oh, yeah, means. Sure. But it, it, it just, in my mind, it just means that there's a king and his name is Jesus and everything is under his kingship. And so the more we can come into alignment with what his kingdom is like, then the more of his blessing and grace and favor we'll be able to receive. So that's a whole deep well we won't fall into right now. But so hunger is the first thing. The second thing is helping. I, I see in the marketplace in general, uh, and I think this springs again from a spiritual well inside of people, whether they're aware of it or not, is the desire to help when there is a natural disaster, when there is um, a moral disaster, like, you know, at the time when we're recording this, something horrible just happened in yeah. Orlando, Florida, where so many innocent people were gunned down by one malicious person, one maliciously motivated person, let's say. And 
it's a tragedy and it, it makes, it breaks all of our hearts and there's a desire to help. Mm. Even if we're talking about helping people who don't necessarily believe the same things we believe, maybe they don't follow the same political party or maybe they're not exactly in alignment with our faith values, but we just want to help people because we love people. I see a, a real sense of that in the marketplace and in the body of believers as a whole. And then the, the third thing that I see, another trend that is very prevalent on people's minds and in their hearts is something we've already talked about, and that is health. I sense that people are searching for a way to be better stewards of their bodies and their minds and to be healthier both physically and mentally and emotionally as well. And so, again, this may be, if you're spiritually minded, then it may take a real focus on the spiritual elements, but maybe you just have a sense of, I need to feel better. I, you know, at age 30 or 40 or 50 or whatever your age is, you may feel like maybe you're not in optimum prime condition and you're looking for a way to get back to the original design, the original blueprint for our bodies. Because as we know, I mean, just taking this from a purely scientific standpoint, what happens to us as we age is we have a, a blueprint that's inside of us called DNA. And when it starts out in life, our DNA, if there's no defect from the beginning, if there's no flaw in the very beginning of our life, then our blueprint is perfect. And something happens over time. It's like making a copy of a copy of a copy of a copy. You begin to lose resolution. And so that's what happens when we age. And I think there's a deep sense on the, on the hearts and minds of people that it shouldn't be this way. Mm-hmm. And there's, there's new discoveries and there's a field called epigenetics, which I don't know if you're aware of this, but epigenetics actually just at, at its core means the way we eat and the way we think can actually change our genetic structure. Mm. So if you do the things like I was talking about earlier, if you eat differently, you exercise differently, and you put different thoughts in your brain, you can turn on and turn off the genes that may express disease or breakdown or aging. And if you think about that, that's a, that's a miracle in and of itself. You know, hunger, helping, and health are the three things you mentioned and, and expanded on a little bit. And I, as I hear you talk about those three, I can't help but consider that over the last number of years, in the West, at least, and probably around the world, uh, there has been almost an intentional agenda to to condition the minds of people away from those attitudes and those pursuits. Uh, there, there's an obvious uh, propagation of a scarcity mindset, which contrasts with hunger for more. There is seemingly more strife and more tension and more schisms going on around the world between various people groups and but yet at the same time while all that's happening people are turning toward having helping hearts and wanting to to be of service and wanting to come alongside of people and then of course health my gosh you know fast food junk food everything but yet people are are more and more becoming conscious that they need to take care of their bodies and live longer lives and more healthy more productive lives it's almost like in the midst of of all of the the chaos and trouble going on around us, God Himself is birthing in our hearts the desire for the right ways of life, hunger for more, helping others, and living strong, living healthy lives. I find that pretty remarkable. Well, I do too. And you know, there is a there is an agenda, and whoever you want to attribute it to, you go right ahead. But there's an agenda that would try to convince us that the world is getting worse and worse, that conditions are growing worse, that there's more genocide, there's more murder, there's more violence, there's more terror, 
there's more health epidemics than ever before. And that is just totally false. And it happens to be in alignment with the scriptural mandate that the greatness of his glory will increase over time until his kingdom and his goodness fills all the earth and a knowledge of his goodness fills all the earth. And if you want evidence that this is really what's happening in the world, there's a great uh, TED talk by a man who I don't believe, I don't think he's a believer, but his name is Hans Rosling and he's a statistician and he gives a TED talk called The Best Stats You've Ever Seen. So it's H-A-N-S-R-O-S-L-I-N-G, Hans Rosling, and the name of the TED talk is The Best Stats You've Ever Seen. And he gives a compelling, mathematically incontrovertible demonstration that the world is getting better and better over time, which is actually in alignment with biblical teaching. And there's another, there's a book also, it's, it's not quite as um, entertaining as Hans Rosling's video on the TED Talk site, but it's, it's a book called The Improving State of the World. And it's a, it's a much weightier tome. It's a much more um, academic volume. It's like 400 and some pages long. But it, it's an, again, it's an assemblage of stats that demonstrates that in every way, physically, mentally, um, financially, economically, scientifically, education-wise, disease-wise, violence, every, every category you can think of, the world is getting better and better and better. And one has to ask the question, well, why is that so, number one? And then number two is, why are we hearing a different story in the media? Yeah. Well, they're, they're obviously working to condition the minds of people because people tend to believe what they hear rather than what reality may or may not be. They, they just, people turn on the news because it's convenient. Here's where I'm going to get my digest of what's happening in the world and how to think. And, uh, I, I haven't seen that TED talk. I can't wait to take a look at that. Gosh. Can we take a, you'll, you'll really enjoy it. Can we take it's, a break? Uh, Let me fantastic. go watch that real quick. Sure. I'll wait. <laughs> it's, you know, it's, it's just a matter really of if you're exposing yourself to the media every day, I think you need to know, understand and what, what agenda you're being exposed to. And I won't get into talking about specific networks, but I'll just say this. I think you're, you need to make a choice. Do you want to be brainwashed by the media and know or maybe not even know what their agenda is or would you rather wash your own brain so i'll leave it up to you to decide well as you are aware i mean because we we do work together every week uh, i have literally chosen to do a 90-day detox from all media i've even gone so far as to remove uh, my favorite news networks website links from my my home screen on my internet browser just because I, I don't even want to know. My, my, my kids are coming home. Did you hear about this? I'm like, no, don't want to know. And it's not that I'm being callous or disinterested in the sense of, of not wanting to be informed, but I, I just recognized, Ray, that I needed some time to, to purge and to detox because I was taking on the attitudes. I was taking on the spirit of all of that stuff. And I just, I just said enough is enough. I'm going to take 90 days and just disconnect from all of it. And I've got people that are telling me I'm crazy for doing that. And I, I think they're crazy for not doing it just because I'm having to be not just selective right now. I'm having to really just go cold Turkey, if that makes sense. Well, it does make sense to me. And I think anybody who wants to test whether it's true or not should just try to go for 90 days without the constantly negative news network or the monstrously satanic network and see how they feel. <laughs> I caught that. I'm not naming any specific <laughs> networks. I'm just saying in general. Oh, man. You know, as people are engaging this hunger, engaging this desire to serve and to help and to 
add value to other people. And of course, as we're focusing on being healthier so that we can live longer, serve more effectively, et cetera, uh, what what do you see happening in the marketplace? And by marketplace, I simply mean, you know, whatever sector of the culture where you have a particular bent or leaning, maybe it's government, maybe it's education, maybe it's entertainment, maybe it's whatever, maybe it's business, finance, but, but wherever it is, people are doing that deal and living their life and, and carrying out their their calling, so to speak. What trends are you seeing out there in the real world? What's happening there? The internet has created uh, an economic environment that is unlike anything we've ever seen before because now we're able to instantly share our wisdom, our experience, and our knowledge across the globe for no money. It costs us nothing if we want to use free internet at the library or at Starbucks or wherever. Uh, if we want to invest a little bit of money for less than 100 bucks, we could be in business and we could be selling that information, that knowledge, that experience, or giving it away, whatever, whichever choice you make. Um, I think that we we don't really appreciate how powerful this idea is of the ability to distribute our knowledge globally in an instant. It's more revolutionary, I think, than Gutenberg's printing press because Gutenberg was his invention was available only to a very few people who are very wealthy and could afford to run the printing presses and produce the paper and the ink and so forth. And they had control of the distribution. And that was true up until just the last couple of decades. And now Anybody can have global communication instantly. And not only that, we have global economic exchange happening. In other words, you can sell things online and you can have money transferred into your bank account instantly, even if your customer is on the other side of the globe. And I also think that there is more as the population ages more and more. And soon, I read recently that um, it will be true that there are more people who are age 55 and up than there ever have been in the world ever at the same time. And not only that, they'll be the largest percentage of the population. There'll be as many old people as there are babies in the world. That's never happened before in the history of time, as far as we know. So um, this affords us a great opportunity for everyone, I believe, to become a teacher or a consultant or a coach of some kind. And it's, I think it's, some people say, well, Ray, you overhyped this thing. I think it's impossible to overstate how incredible this is. What a what a historic time we live in when anyone can share their wisdom with any of the other nearly 8 billion people on the planet in an instant for virtually no expense. And you can be paid or not paid for this, whatever you choose. But the fact that we are able to engage in leadership and we can distribute that leadership globally is astonishing to me. Does this always mean start a business? Does it always mean to to necessarily... Uh, craft an, uh, a website or an online course or an online service, or are there no. other expressions of that? What what do you what do you say on that? No, there there are, there are plenty of other expressions of that. There, I mean, you might just choose to only do this on Facebook. I mean, I know a couple of different people who have what I would term a Facebook ministry, where their their <laughs> whole sole job is to encourage people, give people positive things to think about, uh, positive messages, and to engage with people one on one and private messaging and so forth through Facebook. I mean, it's a powerful entity that's, it, people complain about Facebook all the time. And I, I, when I hear that, you know, they're, they're like, well, they changed this and they changed that and they put this button over here. And I'm like, I'm so sorry that the multi-billion dollar platform that was given to you for free that nobody forces you to use keeps improving itself. I'm so sorry that that makes your life so hard. Um, 
So it might be that it might be, um, it might be that you write books or it might be that you have a blog. I think everybody should write a blog. I'm in agreement with Seth Godin on this. It's so easy to write a blog and a blog for those who don't know, it's just a, a daily. Well, I think it should be daily, but maybe it's not daily for everybody, but it's a place online where you can publish your thoughts. In other words, you don't have to ask to be published again, back to Gutenberg, back to traditional publishing. Even now, if you want to get published by a New York publishing agency, uh, it, really means that you have to be first you have to make it out of the slush pile you have to make it you have to get an agent to represent you you have to get them to sell you to a publishing house then they have to the publishing house has to approve your manuscript then they have to publish it and they pay you virtually nothing anymore and there's very little chance that your book will be a success that's the old way of doing it the new way is you just decide i'm going to publish my thoughts and you publish them online for free yeah you can do that at wordpress.com if you want to do it absolutely for free so it can take that form. It can take the form of a podcast, just, which is just recording audio and posting it online, really, is what it amounts to. There's so many different ways that you can digitally spread your knowledge, your ideas, your wisdom, your encouragement, your prayers, your sermons, your poetry, your drawings, your artwork, your photographs. It's, it's, it's the most incredible, amazing, astonishing age that has ever existed in terms of human creativity and the human ability to help one another that has ever been before in history. This program now, as you know, has ch not really changed its focus, but certainly um, changed its branding a little bit in that we've identified that our, our, our the people we want to minister to and help and strengthen and build up are emerging leaders. And I know that many people, for whatever reason, don't consider themselves leaders, but what you're describing is every single person who has had any life experience, education, or or just have lived a certain amount of years, I suppose, and they have something of value to offer to someone else who has not yet walked that path, not yet accomplished those dreams, not yet experienced what you've experienced. To me, you're a leader in the making, and you have something of value to add, and you're saying that the Internet is has leveled the playing field and offered us a delivery system that's second to none. Absolutely right. And you know, I'm not the first person to have these thoughts. There's a little book by a guy named Seth Godin called Tribes. Yeah. And he says, you know, a tribe is any group of people that are connected to one another, a leader and an idea. And he points out that for millions of years, the tribes have been religious, they've been ethnic, political, maybe musical. Like if you think of the people who follow the Grateful Dead or the Beatles or Pink Floyd, those are tribes of people. Mm -hmm. And now the internet has eliminated the geography, the cost, the time element, and it's a time for leaders. You, I believe everyone is a leader and yes. you have a tribe to lead. That tribe may be five people or it may be five million people. Absolutely. What, what role in this leadership process does being connected to other leaders, other people maybe on similar journeys, uh, play in the process of building the life of your dreams, building your leadership, building your your effectiveness. What, how, why is it important for us to be connected to other leaders? Well, I think it's the only way to be an effective leader. And let me illustrate that with two different examples. The first is there's a teacher that we're both familiar with whose name was Jim Rohn. Oh, yes. And I'm not talking about oh, yes. the sportscaster now. I'm talking about the guy who was the, the I, most people would call him a motivational speaker. He called himself a practical business philosopher, which I think is probably more accurate. Much more accurate. He's yes. the He's the gentleman who trained Tony Robbins and gave Tony his start. And Tony gives him credit for that. 
And Jim Rohn was famous for having said, and still is famous for having said, something, this will be a, a mangling of the quote, but you become the average of the five people you spend the most time with. Yeah. And I think that's true in terms of income and mindset and thought processes and habits and standards. But I think it's even more true that you become the average of the five people you spend the most intentional time with. So I think on purpose, putting yourself in the presence of other leaders who encourage you or actually give you positive peer pressure to be a better version of yourself is vitally important because, you know, the, the peer group you're in sort of acts as a kind of social and psychological gravity field. And we know what gravity does over time. It pulls us down in every way imaginable. You know, as we watch our hair begin to make the journey from the top of our head to other parts of our body and um, so forth. I won't go into any just, more detail. You just you had to bring that up, yourself. didn't you? You just had to bring that up, didn't you? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, so, but social and psychological gravity means it's much easier for the people around you to pull you down than it is for them to lift you up or for you to pull them up. So either you're going to pull the people around you up to your level or they're going to pull you down to theirs. Or there's a third alternative, and that is you can get around people who lift you up to a new standard. They give you a different standard to live up to. And, you know, one of the examples that I can think of in this area is I saw my brother, my younger brother, join the Marine Corps when he was just out of his teens. Well, he was just at the end of his teens, really. I guess he was 18 years old. And he joined the Marine Corps. And he was suddenly put in a group of young men who had a whole different set of standards than he did. I mean, up until then, he'd never worn anything other than blue jeans and T-shirts. And suddenly, when he came home after boot camp, he was ironing his uniform and shining his shoes and keeping his belt buckle sparkling and shiny. And he stood taller. He had more impeccable habits. And what was the thing that made the difference? Because he was doing this even when he wasn't at the base or he wasn't at his assigned station when he was at home on leave. Well, what made the difference was this peer group that he was around that lifted up his standards. that gave him a new standard to live up to. And so I think that's important for us as leaders to consciously put ourselves in the presence of people who lift us up and cause us to set a new standard for ourselves. And it goes back, it's not just the Marine Corps, they didn't come up with it. It actually goes back to the time of Jesus who had this model of leadership was he surrounded himself with 12 leaders. He chose them as leaders and he set a new standard for them, and he set a new standard for them to hold themselves to. And that that movement of 12 people who were mostly uneducated, um, unrespected, unproven, untested. I mean, the only one of them that had a good resume was the betrayer. Yeah. Judas on paper looked like the best candidate of all of them. Yeah. So I'll just leave you to yeah. think about that. But um, the other 11, and they chose a 12th later on to fill that role. But those 12 people changed the world and, you know, Jesus's model was he had a close inner group of leaders. He had his council of three, Peter, James, and John. And then he had the 12, and those were the closest people to him. And out of that, he built an entire movement that changed the entire world. So it's a model that's proven over thousands of years. And the bottom line is, if you are not putting yourself in the presence of other leaders to help you become a better leader and you help them become better leaders, then you're missing out on the best part of the journey. So I'm hearing you say that Jesus had a mastermind group. Well, he he is the master. He is of minds, the master he did of minds. mastermind group. But but he formed a, a a coalition of leaders around him, and together they they grew. Together they learned. Together they challenged each other. And then once he had ascended, they no doubt functioned. In, we see in Acts chapter fifteen where they came together and and dealt with some issues and worked together and collaborated on some things. And and like you said, here we are centuries later. 
and the world is fundamentally changed because of those 12 fellas. Right. And, you know, you think about that model and how effective it's been. And, and in some cases, you know, we got off track with that as a church, if I can use that word, meaning the universal body of people who are part of Christ. Yes, yes. But uh, Billy Graham, not too long ago, was asked, you know, if you could go back and do your life all over again, what would you do? How would you approach it as a young man? And he said, well, here's what I would do differently. Instead of seeking fame and fortune, I would find a group of 12 men. Mm -hmm. And I would work one-on-one -on -one with them. And I would teach them everything I knew. And I would teach them how to find a group of 12 men. Wow. T coming from a man who has accomplished so much, has respect of nations, that's huge. What, yeah. what an awareness and what a, what a guiding light for those of us that are coming behind him to say, you know, are we, are we flailing through life trying to seek fame and fortune or, or can we find a better way? Uh, well, you obviously know that I've pursued being involved with such a group of people. And uh, you mentioned not too long ago on a mastermind call about how every leader, every business owner, every pastor or whoever uh, is functioning in these respective roles should be a part of a mastermind group. In fact, I think you said they should be a part of three mastermind groups. Talk, talk about that a little bit. I think so. I think there are three kinds of mastermind groups that you should be involved in. And let's, let's be clear about our definition of what a mastermind group is. Yes, please. It's a group of people who come together for the purposes of, of mutual benefit. And they come into alignment to hold one another to certain standards, to assist one another in good moral business physical, mental, spiritual, emotional endeavors. And the principle of the mastermind sounds kind of spooky. I mean, the term was coined by Napoleon Hill, who said that when two or more minds come together for the purpose of a mutual benefit, a mutually held definite purpose, there is, it's as if he said, a third mind becomes present. Well, that sounds kind of spooky and it scares some people off because they think it's kind of new age. But if you think about it, it sounds very similar to a different statement I've heard from a different book, which said, whenever two or more of you are gathered together in my name, there I am in the midst of you. That's right. So Absolutely. That's what I believe the spiritual principle behind the mastermind group is. So I think, why be part of three different groups? I think there are, if you are a leader, especially if you're a leader in business um, or in an organizational structure, like uh, if you're a pastor in some organized structure that has you leading people, then the three groups you should be part of are, first of all, a group of your peers that you intentionally form and you come together with this expressed, definitely stated, clearly outlined purpose of mutual benefit for one another and accountability with one another. And so that one is one that you would not pay for. It would be just the, the 12 of you or the six of you or however many are in it. I would recommend not going over 12, but somewhere between six and 12 people. And that is a quote, free mastermind group. And it's, I say quote free because it takes an investment of time and energy. So that's not free. There is a, there is an investment that you're making in these other people. The second group I would recommend that you become involved in is one that you pay to be involved with. And people say sometimes, well, if I have a free group, why would I pay? Well, because if you pay, there's a couple of things that happen. First of all, you get access to people you might not otherwise be able to have access to because there are leaders in business and leaders in spiritual matters and other realms that you may not have access to on a day-to-day -day basis unless you invest in a program where you get to be exposed to them. It's like, think of it as, as if you were joining a country club, except you actually had a purpose for doing it. <laughs> no judgment. If you're a member of a country club, I was making a, a bit of a jest. <laughs> but if you invest, the second thing that happens is you have skin in the game. 
So you have a little bit of leverage on yourself that says, well, I'm investing a little bit of money here or maybe not so little bit of money. So I need to get the benefit out of this. I need to show up for the meetings. I need to serve the people that are there. I need to learn from the people that are helping me with my business or my endeavors or my mission or spread my message. So, you know, for me, it started with, the, I joined a mastermind. The first mastermind group I ever paid for, I paid $6,000 to be part of. It was a huge expense at the time. And I did it without asking my wife, which I might, I might advise you don't, yeah. don't do it that way. Probably it's not, not a, a thing to surprise your wife with. So um, the current, I mean, I've, since then I've paid a lot more than that. I, you know, I've invested as much as $30,000 a year to be part of a mastermind group. And you might say, well, why on earth would you do that? And the answer is because I, I do it because I expect a multiple of return on that investment. When I invested the $6,000, did I get 10 times my value back? I got more than 10 times my value back in terms of real revenue coming into my business because it was a business-oriented mastermind. And, you know, the group that I'm currently in that is is a lot more expensive than $6,000, um, I fully expect to get a 10 times return on that mastermind group. So that's the reason to invest in paying to be part of a mastermind group. Now, what about the one, the third one? What's the third group that you should be part of? That's one where people pay you because you have wisdom and experience and knowledge and information to share with people that if you were able to spend the time with just a few people and do it in a focused, in-depth, very personal way, you could change the course of their life and not only their lives, but their employees' lives and their families' lives and the lives of their employees' families. I mean, you could change so many family trees because you took the time to do for a few people what you wish you could do for many people. And a good way of putting that group together is to have them pay you. And trust me, whatever you choose to have them invest with you is probably only a tiny fraction of the value they get back. At least if you do it properly, that's how it should work. So those are the three groups. One that's free, one you pay for, and one that pays you. Well, I've been a part of a paid mastermind group now for about 15 to 16 months. And I have told people very openly on this podcast and, and other presentations that I've done that being engaged with this group of people has raised the bar so substantially and given me a perspective on where I'm headed and what I need to be working on and has held me accountable when quite honestly in my former line of work I didn't have a lot of accountability and it has fundamentally changed the way I'm approaching my life my leadership and my purpose and my assignment in life so I I, I just want to say yes and amen to everything you're saying it's just a I don't know how anyone frankly could be uh full out, maxed out, successful, really reaching their potential without having a group of people around them uh, based on how you've described the mastermind. It's just so fundamentally important. Uh, and I'm, I'm grateful to you for helping me to engage this process on a deeper level over the last couple of years. Well, it's been my privilege. I mean, we are obviously great friends and we've grown very close in the process. That's something else that happens. And, you know, there's no leader whether we're talking about a world leader or a religious leader or a thought leader, there's no leader who is not a part of th this kind of group at some level or other. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, I'm going to wrap this up. You've been so gracious with your time today, but I, I want to do something that I often do when I have guests uh, of your caliber on the program. We deal with leadership here and we deal with strategic living here. What are the top two or three leadership or life principles that have really guided you as you've pursued what God has for your life? Well, these 
three principles that I'm about to share all come from the same book. Uh, the first one is, just as you want men to do to you, you also do likewise. Yep. That's from Luke chapter 6, verse 31. It's the words of Jesus. In fact, all three of these statements are the words of Jesus uh, because he is, for me, he's my ultimate business mentor um, because, um, you know, life is the business of living. So the second principle is whoever desires to become great among you, let him be your servant. Mm. That's from Matthew 20, 26. And these are counterintuitive, you know. Yeah, they are. <laughs> Jesus kind of turned everything upside down. Um, the third one is for whoever exalts himself will be humbled and who he who humbles himself will be exalted. And that's from Luke chapter 14, verse 11. So think about those three principles and how completely upside down they are compared to the way people normally think. Whatever you want men to do to you, you should do the same thing to them. And you should do that. You should do it before they do it to you. So treat people the way you want to be treated. Um, the second principle is if you want to be great, you have to be a servant. And the third principle is if you want to be exalted, you have to be humble. And it's a real puzzle when you start to try to walk that out. Well, I want to be exalted, so I have to be humble. But if I'm humble, do I really want to be exalted? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> it's, uh, I mean, Jesus, Jesus was pretty crafty, and I think he knew what he was doing when he taught us these things. And just following those three principles, if those were the only three principles you followed, I think if you followed them with a full heart, whether you're a follower of Jesus or not, but you follow those three leadership principles, you would find your career taking on a whole new life. You would reach a whole new level of success and not only success, but significance. And I think those two are not always, in my mind, they are the same, but in most people's minds, success means money and significance means something different. I think they go hand in hand. That's just brilliant. So awesome, Ray. Well, one last thing for you here. What's your favorite quote, or maybe the one that's the most forward in your mind right now on leadership? What what comes to mind as far as a quote you've heard on leadership? It's funny that you would mention this one. It's from a guy, you may not have heard of him. Um, his name is John Maxwell. I've never heard of the guy. And Well, he, I think he's going to do big things. Uh, but one of my favorite quotes about leadership, and one that's on my mind a lot lately, is he said, he who thinks he leads but has no followers is only taking a walk. <laughs> that's brilliant. So true. So true. And how many people I wonder are taking long walks? That's interesting. Well, last thing for you, man, what are you doing right now? What is there any, anything you want to share with our audience regarding your book regarding, uh, any new materials you have on your website? What can we help you? How can we serve you and, and point people towards you? Well, I mean, I have a lot of free materials that help people out at the website, and we have the podcast, of course, and currently we have a, a three-video training series that'll help you in terms of building your own business, uh, and you can find those at rayedwards.com, and it's pretty obvious once you get there what you need to do to get the videos for free, and there's other free resources at the site as well, so that's where all things that we're doing uh, are centered, is at rayedwards.com. Ray, you are a precious friend, a dear brother, and such a great leader. We honor you. We thank you and uh, just appreciate so much you taking of your time to be on the program today, man. Well, it's my privilege. Thank you so much, Brian. You bet. Well, as always, when we have Ray on the program, it is really, really special. I'm so grateful to him. 
You can find the show notes, and I'm going to make sure that we have very detailed show notes for some of the resources, some of the links, some of the main points that Ray was sharing with us today at brianholmes.com forward slash 165. brianholmes.com forward slash 165. And whatever you do, make sure you get to rayedwards.com, R-A-Y-E-D-W-A-R-D-S, rayedwards.com, and anything he's doing, I promise you, plug into it. It's of great value. It will really help you to get where it is that you are trying to go. I want to mention to you today that I have a couple of openings, which is not uh, always the case, but I do presently have two or three openings for coaching clients. I only take three to four coaching clients in a season, and I have that opening right now. If you desire to take your life, your leadership to the next level, and are ready to make an investment in your future, I want to invite you to contact me by going to brianholmes.com forward slash coaching, brianholmes.com forward slash coaching to find out more about what we're doing here. Uh, Also, we're offering our Four Cornerstones for Strategic Living free course, our gift to you for subscribing to our email updates. We invite you to go to brianholmes.com to find out more about that. Last thing, I want to share with you uh, that the way we get the word out, the way we serve more people more effectively is for you to share these episodes, our podcast episodes, our Monday Mastery episodes, our blog post with people that you care about. I want to ask you right now if you would help us to get the word out about brianholmes.com and all the materials and all the things we're we're, uh, posting here uh, to serve you, to grow leaders, and to make a difference. Share this on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, Google+, wherever it is you do life with people, we invite you to share that. Closing thoughts for you today. On this uh, episode, you heard Ray and I discuss the value of being a part of a mastermind group. We've recently launched the Strategic Influencers Mastermind Alliance, and we still have a couple of openings. We're only taking 12 people for that group, really 10 plus myself and one other uh, facilitator. But I invite you today, if you have an interest in bringing a group of men and women around you to help you to take your life and leadership to the next level in the context of a mastermind group, as Ray mentioned, go to brianholmes.com forward slash mastermind and you'll get all the information there on how you can apply to be a part of this great group. Until next time, know this. We love you. We believe in you. And we know for a fact that you are an emerging leader and the world is waiting for you to show up. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Strategic Leader Podcast. We trust that this program has added value to your life and to the development of your leadership potential. You can join our growing community of strategic influencers by connecting with us at brianholmes.com and by sharing this podcast with others who are seeking to take their life and leadership to the next level. May God bless you immensely. And until next time, remember this, you are created to lead.